Hello everyone, I am Adam Catter, the host of the Watford Opinions Podcast. I am joined once again by James from the Watford Way. We recently recorded part one of this Watford Opinions Watford Way pod chat the other day. Make sure you listen to episode one, which is a very in-depth transfer talk before you listen to this, as this is about other Watford topics as well as our European Championship predictions. And we are back after that in-depth transfer talk about Ashley Young, the winger situation, and the new signings, and a lot more. So this second part, we're going to talk about somewhat uh, similarly related topics, but not exactly directly focused straight and strictly on the transfer window. So the first topic has to be about Troy Deeney. Um, just kind of, there, there's a couple questions to ask about that, this, and when I say this, I, I don't mean this uh, in any bad way, but it's a question a lot of people have considered and written and spoken about. But was Dini's absence because of his injury in the second portion of the season, did that kind of show that him like forcing his way into the starting lineup every week was dragging Watford back, as unfortunate as that un- injury was? I think with with Dini, he, you know, I I'm not going to sit here and slander Dini off because you know I've literally got like a shrine of Dini on my bedroom wall. I've, I've got his autograph, so you know he is one of my favourite ever um, Watford players. So you know he's always going to be in my in my heart for that. Um, but I do think in his case, he does have the tendency to rush back from injuries, maybe play when he is injured. To be honest, and you know even take painkillers while while he's do, while he's doing that. So you know I think that. I mean, that obviously affects the team. If a player's not not performing at 100% and they're only performing at 95%, for example, that that, that 5% in football can make such a difference at, mm-hmm. at, at the top level in, in professional sports. So it definitely did have an impact. I think it was, you know, I think, you, you know, if you're a Watford fan, it's, you're, you're delusional if you couldn't see the the difference when, when Troy didn't play. We just looked so much more expansive. I think it also coincided, of course, with, with, with that change in formation. I think the 4-3-3 suited the players we have anyway. I think it's Mylasar, Pedro, Sema, um, you know, Cleverly Hughes. I think that 4-3-3 system benefited them a lot more than, than that 4-4-2. Um, so I think it was probably more 50-50. Dini obviously um, getting injured because, you know, in, in my opinion, he, he shouldn't be starting for Watford anymore. But also, Adam... And that switched that four three three system. I think that really was instrumental to 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 our promotion, and it all started with with that six nil win um, at at home to Bristol City. And I think that from that game onwards, you know, it you know that 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 was the team that we were going to finish this season with, regardless of regardless of when Troy came back. So so that's my stance on that. Um, you know, he obviously is going to stay for another year, Adam. But by the sounds of it, from what he's said, um, but I'd like to think that would be more of a bit part. You know coming off the bench role rather than the starting role. Yeah, and, and like like you, I, I love Dini, and I'm never going to just, like, sit here and slander him. Like, his heart and passion and, like, just love for the club is absolutely remarkable. And it's it, – but it, it's just, if we're being realistic, we have to see that, you know, he, it's as you said, it seems like he's going to stay. So, if he does and then proves himself to be worthy as a starter, as any other player does – then go ahead, be my guest. But it's it's just one of those things. I think I, I agree with you in a sense that he definitely didn't seem to be playing at a hundred percent, whether that's due to injury or just I guess age and form. 
that's something that I guess remains to be seen. But also, if we're thinking about Dini, he's usually been at his best when with a talented strike partner, whether that be Vidra, Agallo, and then in the 2018-19 season when Dale Lafayette was playing right off of him. So when you think about it, if you want to get the most out of Dini, it's usually going to change your tactics. But then once we went to the 4-3-3 without him, which is a formation that I guess doesn't suit his style of play that well, um, things opened up. So as, as much as I love Dini, I, I do think that like 50% of it maybe that he just isn't the player he used to be. Um, maybe that's because of injury. Maybe that's for other reasons. That remains to be seen. But also tactically, it's just, we can't be accommodating as unfortunate as it may be. And it might be down to injury. It might be down to just um, form and at his, this point of his career. Um, it, it is unfortunate to see him uh, not at his best, but tactically speaking, if we're better off without him, which it seems like we are, then that's just what it's going to have to be. But I do agree. I do think he should play that sort of bit part role. A player I usually com- I've compared him to um, recently is a Billy Sharp type role for Sheffield United, where it's not like he's never playing, but he's also not the center of the attention anymore. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I do, I do, I do absolutely agree with that. And I think in the case of Troy, um, you know, to me it looks like he definitely wants to get into into coaching and you know something of that ilk. I think he is currently doing doing his coaching badges, isn't he, at, at Watford? So I think that is something that he'll probably um, look to, to look to progress into. I think he can definitely still offer us something in the Premier League. I think even in, in our last season, in, in our relegation season, he, he definitely offered us. Um, quite a lot. I think he's, he scored 10 goals, didn't he? More, more than any other Watford player. So, you know, he definitely can still do it at that level. Whether it's starting every week for 90 minutes for the whole season, that, that will have to be, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, if we, buy, if we buy another striker like a Bore and, you know, he's starting, as you say, on August 14, you know, there's not really going to be a lot of space there for Troy. Bring Ashley Fletcher in, younger, fitter, hungrier. Um, you know, he's going to have a real tough job getting into this Watford side with, with the talent we now have at our, our, our disposal. So, you know, for Troy, um, I think he knows he's coming to the end of his career now. He's, he's on a fantastic contract this last year. Um, I'm sure he's not got too much to, to worry about. And in the case of Watford, it's just good to have a player who's been here for such a long time to kind of guide the team um, and, you know, manage manage these young players we have coming through. Yeah, I definitely think we're on the same wavelength about that. But let's hope he can be fit. And then the times he does play, he does prove himself as still worthy of a decent amount of Premier League minutes. But that's something that remains to be seen. But of course, the most important thing for him right now is making sure he's full. I think everyone agrees is that he's fully recovered from these injuries before he comes back, because we'd obviously rather him for 50% of the season at a hundred percent than all of the season, but not at a hundred percent. So the next question is again, a bit transfer window related, but also not, not, not like indirectly related, but are you currently comfortable with the present goalkeeper situation at the club? Because there have been links to Carl Darlow and Sam Johnstone, but if the pro- do you think Watford really need to and think it's imperative we bring in another goalkeeper? Or are you happy with what we have? Oh, I'm definitely happy with, with what we had. And, that, and actually, when you sent over the, the list of questions we were going to be covering, I was quite looking forward to answering this because um, I don't know if you've seen it, um, Adam, or, or anyone else listening to this, but Ben Foster did an interview with, with a fan channel called The United Stand. 
and they kind of cover Manchester United fan content, a bit similar to what, what me and Adam do with Watford. And he did an interview with them kind of talking about his Manchester United days. And, you know, he was saying that, you know, Ben Foster was saying that if he if he's a first choice keeper, as he believes he is now, you know, he wants to know that he is first choice. And he, and he said, if you've got someone behind you like a Daniel Backman, he, he didn't specifically say Backman, but but in his case, it is Backman. He said, if you've got someone behind you, you know, kind of pushing you for your place, it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. And, and he, he kind of said in this interview, you know, continuing on, he said he still wants to be playing first team football next season. Um, you know, and obviously, currently he is at Watford. Daniel Backman, I would say personally, is is Watford number one. Um, so that is, you know, for me, quite an interesting dynamic there. Obviously, Foster versus Backman. Uh, you know, who starts for Watford for me is definitely Daniel Backman. Um, but judging by the interview that I watched with Ben Foster only a couple of days ago, it seems like he still wants to be playing um, consistent first team football. So it is interesting to see. Obviously, we were linked with with Sam Johnstone from West Brom. Very, very expensive deal to get done if he was to do that. Um, Adam Leventhal kind of quashed that today in, in the Athletics, saying that fee would be too much for Watford to pay. And if he was to bring in a goalkeeper, um, someone, someone would have to leave. So, you know, that Johnstone link seems to have been kind of pushed away there. Um, but, yeah, it's very, very interesting, that, that dynamic, Adam. And, you know, as I said, for me, you know, Daniel Backman is, is Watford number one. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said and again if, if Foster or for some reason Bachman goes then obviously we should bring someone in unless we're comfortable with Dahlberg as the backup which again that's a we can do we can do a whole co- podcast on all of these topics but I, I definitely think that having Bachman and Foster as your goalkeeping corps is definitely not to, the worst case scenario to be in because if something does happen to Bachman or he hits bad form, you're not going to be uncomfortable with Foster playing. And if Foster's the starter opening day against uh, the odds, it's not like people are going to be totally crying over it and saying he's not like ready for it. So you definitely have the experienced keeper, the proven keeper. And then you also have Bachman, who he's proven himself in the Scottish Premiership. He's proven himself in the championships. And he's going to be Austria's starting goalie at Euros now. So it's like, Really, the only next step for him is top-flight football. So he definitely has areas to improve. Definitely set-piece defending. It's still been questionable, but I just think, especially after his like improvement, even in that field, closer to the end of the championship season and now having Euros as well to get ready for next season, I do think he'll be the man to start the season. And again, with Foster and Bachman competing and battling it out, as you said, that's a good situation to be in. So if the price were right or Johnstone were available for an extremely low price, then obviously, as with any other position, if the price is right, do it. But for 15 to 20 million pounds to bring in a player like Johnstone or even 6 to 7 million pounds to bring in a player like Darlow, that money is definitely better off spent elsewhere. What, what I would say, and to add to this discussion is, you know, you know it seems quite... Um, irrelevant, but it, it could be quite relevant in the sense that Rob Elliott did recently just sign um, a two-year, a new two-year contract with Watford, obviously taking him to 2023. Um, you know, that's obviously in, in the role of, you know, third-choice keeper. Um, but, you know, should should I be, re- am I reading too much into that if I'm suggesting that maybe he has signed that contract because someone like a Foster's leaving 
Um, maybe Adalbert comes back in to, to be back up to, to Backman. And then we have Rob Elliott as, as that third choice. Do you reckon I'm reading too much into that? Or, or do you think that's just maybe um, a contract extension to maybe fill that English quota for the Premier League? That's definitely an interesting question to ask. And now that you think of it, um, I definitely do think there's probably a bit in the back of the um, in the back of Giorata Duxbury and Co.'s mind that uh, maybe Foster will be off. That's definitely something you're going to be wondering about. But I, I do think maybe you're reading a bit much into this because I think the club are going to want Dahlberg playing consistent first-team football until they truly feel he is ready for that Premier League breakthrough. And he's been playing really well in Sweden, and hopefully he's okay with continuing to be loaned out like he has been. Um, because I, I do think he will be uh, ready to be a number one in the near-ish future. But I think maybe right now you're looking too much into this. But again, yeah. the, it, it does help the English quota, and who knows, honestly. What I would say is I do want the cycling GK vlogs to continue in the Premier League mm-hmm. at Watford. So for, for Ben Foster, just to stay, just for that, I would be very, very happy. So, yeah, looking forward to, to more cycling GK content next season. I for sure am too. And <laughs> it, th- th- that whole the cycling GK uh, saga last season, I, I remember there was the time where a lot of Watford fans were against it, saying it lacked professionalism. But it's I th- my, my per- won't get too much into this, um, but my personal stance is he's just like he's doing it because so what? Maybe he is looking for a career, um, like a YouTube career after football. So what? He's also trying to let the fans have fun. I'm pretty sure he can't even make profit off of the videos where he puts the match highlights anyways. So it's he's definitely – and yeah, it definitely gives us something to, um, to cheer about. Yeah, I think he gives the, the revenue of his match day content to charity. So it's, it's actually a good thing in the sense that, that he's doing it. So, so yeah, props to Ben Foster for, for doing that. And, yeah, I'm just looking forward to – Seeing some more content next season, seeing Will Hughes swearing a bit more as well. That's what I love to see. <laughs> yep, it's definitely and it's definitely just gonna be an interesting dynamic to see. It's almost like our little own Watford documentary because we're gonna <laughs> see the difference. I mean, I, I guess just the contrast because in the championship we're going into most matches expecting to win. And in the Premier League, it's like in the championship you don't have that match day vlog where you're heading to the Etihad with not the highest of expectations. So that's definitely going to be fun to see. So now moving on out of the transfer window and out of the players, but to the manager, um, my, my most recent podcast was about Zisco and the effect he's had and just the wonderful type of person he is. Do you think Zisco is the right man and that keeping him was the right choice? It's just, such, it's just such a difficult question, isn't it? Because obviously Zisco got us promoted to, to the Premier League and, you know, I think that Zisco, you know, he's such a lovely guy. I mean, you're obviously personal anecdote in your last episode, Adam. I mean, he literally recorded a, a birthday personalized message for, for your brother. And, you know, yep. he did that just by, just by you asking him on social media. And that just kind of shows to me, you know, what, what a nice person Zisco is. And he really does love the club. And, and that is something that we've not seen maybe under previous managers, such as Ivic. Um, Mazari probably falls under that as well. But, you know, Zisco, you know, you can't question his character. You can't question his man management. You can't question his, his, his social media interactions with the fans. What maybe we will question next season, and, and this is all hindsight at the moment, you know, we don't know what's going to happen is, is he, is he experienced enough for the Premier League? Will he change his tactics if it's going wrong? 
Will he make the right substitutions early enough in matches? We've not seen enough of Zisco yet for me um, to judge that. I really, really hope um, the Pozzos give him enough time. I think under Javi Gracia, after we lost the FA Cup, they did not give him enough time. Four games and then being sacked, um, you know, that is, you know, quite frankly, that, that is that is embarrassing, isn't it? And, and that is why Watford have the reputation we do um, for, for sacking managers. I just hope they really do persist with him, even if it does get tough. Um, in answer to the actual question, do I feel, is Zisco the right man to keep Watford safe? I really do hope so. And I think he does have the attributes to do it. Um and I think if he continues with the 4-3-3 system and persists with that, um, I think that will be the key to our success. So in answer to your question, Adam, yes, I do. Come on, you Hornets. We're going on a European tour. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's the whole, as you said, man management. There's no question that he has that down pat. And I think that's something that is super important. And again, I think in an ideal world, Man management is all that you need for success. Unfortunately, tactics are important too. But I, I definitely think Zisco, he was willing to change his tactics in the championship. But as you said, with the 4-3-3 as well, that, that you can play quite a few variations of the 4-3-3. And I think just in terms of the vote of confidence that a player like Im- signing Imran Lutza, he's a player that fits really well into what Zisco wants to do, no matter that type of 4-3-3 he goes for. Because we saw... Zisco experiment with flatter 4-3-3s for one type of 4-3-3. And signing a player like Luza to play as the left, further, forward, center, mid, it's definitely a vote of confidence. And I I also just think that there's something to be said and just something about uh, the the sport in general is experience. It's Obviously, you don't want a totally clueless manager. You don't want a manager who's like, never played the sport before and never managed the sport before. You can't just put anybody at the job, but it's just in football as a whole, it's like, it just seems like all the time there's the same, like few names getting rotated around the same Mm. size clubs. It's like you see Mourinho these days being bounced around everywhere. And at the time of recording, it seems Spurs might be signing the guy Roma (laughs) sacked for Mourinho. And you just see all these names and the names, they keep repeating themselves and it's, it's really not nothing like it's nothing different. And I guess the is it is keeping Zisco a risk and especially considering he's an inexperienced manager. Well, so was bringing him in, but that proved to be successful. And sometimes just having those risks and having managers that I guess haven't really been don't have too much data to have been figured out against yet. Whereas if you're looking at a Mourinho, there's enough data to really combat that. If you're looking at a Zisco, you don't really know what he's going to throw at you. He doesn't type of play that even if it doesn't work he's gonna he's gonna be willing to change if something doesn't work and I just think that like novelty that hungry manager who definitely knows what he's doing but is still new and willing to experiment I think that's something that could definitely play into our hands which we saw with Nigel Pearson it's like he was going the 4-2 like a true left winger in it so it's definitely I think just that novelty and maybe his bit of an experience but obviously now he has more experience because of getting promotion promoted from the championship which is an amazing feat no matter your squad I, I definitely think his newness is something that could actually play a bit into our favor yeah i think i think in the case of watford adam i think we've kind of tried every different type of manager haven't we we tried um yukanovic we've tried mazari he was very 
disciplinarian. We tried um, Vladimir Ribic again, who was very disciplinarian. Nigel Pearson was English. It's not very often that Watford have an English player. So that was a different um, that was a different route for the Potsos to take to to appoint Nigel Pearson. That didn't work out for for whatever reason. And now we've come to Zisco, who actually is very very lenient. He actually does let phones in the training ground, which is, <laughs> which is good to see. Um, and I think with with Zisco, you know, I just I can't keep talking about his his personality. I think he's just such a happy guy. You know, he sings Elton John songs. There's not a lot as fans that we can dislike about him. And I think next season, um, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we've, we've got full capacity stadiums. I think I think that will actually spur him on even more. You know, he's not for sure. Really, He's not met the fans yet, has he, Adam? So Not at all, you know, yeah. I think for Zisco, that will really um, spur him on. And I'm sure the fans, you know, hopefully will, will get behind him. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think the first time the fans will see him will, will be for them them three pre-season friends we've got at Vicarage Road. So that'll be really, really good to see. And and yeah, just for Zisco, I really, really hope it works out well. Because if it does work out well, I think we've got a manager for... You know, who could manage Watford for for years and years to come, and you know, it's not often we get to to say that as a Watford fan. So I really do hope it it works out for this guy. Yeah, and I definitely think, um, considering we didn't even have to keep him, considering he didn't have his coaching badges and all that, the fact we gave him that vote of confidence, it's definitely a step in the right direction. From I guess breaking the managerial carousel stigma, like that being mentioned every time we play or every time we're just mentioned at all. Um, I'm pretty sure it gets on all of our nerves when we read an article and the first thing we say is, like, Zisco's biggest accomplishment is not getting... It's like... It's just annoying seeing that everywhere uh, just because of the reputation. But, again, tactics are super important, but I don't think man management can go understated because if you have the best tactics but your players aren't invested in you as a manager, it doesn't matter. So, it's definitely just who he is as a... And you don't need to be... As, like there are disciplinarian managers, if it's type managers that work, but for us that wasn't the right recipe. And I just think, as you said, Zisco is like the one last recipe we haven't tried because may- maybe for the next 10, 15, 20 years or forever along the Pozo's own Watford, we do go into this. We're still part of this managerial carousel, and that's just the way we operate. But Zisco does seem to be that last potential recipe for a manager type of manager we haven't tried yet. And hopefully it works out and early signs say that it definitely has the potential to, you know, and what, what an opportunity for him as well, obviously managing, you know, in, in the Georgian league and, and now he's, he's going, he's, he's, he's in the biggest league in the world, the, the premier league. I mean, what an opportunity for, for him and his coaching staff. So look, I, I can't keep going on about it enough, but I really do hope that, that it works out well for this guy. Yeah. And quickly before we go on to our Euro predictions and, England's outlook at the Euros, it's, as you said, he, before he managed us, he managed, what, 11 matches as head coach or around 11 matches in the mm. Georgian top flight. And from there, he's, he's what? He's only 40 years old, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, he's got plenty of years ahead of him, hopefully all at Watford. Yeah, and it's like he's found success in Georgia, which, okay, I mean, he had the best team in Georgia. But then he goes to the championship. Brings a fifth place Watford in turmoil to promotion, like and having the best record in the league in that span. And yes, maybe we did have the best squad, like for like, but it's not like it's an easy league at all. There are very other very talented squads. So for him to do what he did at Watford with what was it a sixty nine point 
something percent yeah, yeah. win rate is absolutely remarkable. And even in the cup, when we didn't even use our first team and played against Man United, he's it was still a decent performance. And that was one of his first performances in England. So considering his age and the fact that he's gone one season, he's managing in Georgia and the next he's managing in the Premier League after earning promotion. 10 years down, 10, 15 years down the line, don't be shocked if we're hearing about Zisco in the Champions League with whoever he may be with at that point because he's his rise, he's already making a quick rise, all things considered. So He's got a fantastic dress sense too, Adam, hasn't he? Oh, 100%. We always, we always mention it, like how his jackets and suits are nice, yeah. Yeah, if I ever need fashion advice, I'm going to Zisco. For sure, for sure. And I guess that's... There are countless things we could talk about. We could be here all day and all night, but I'm sure we both have other things to tend to as much as I want us to continue this podcast on other topics, but I'm hoping you'd be willing to come on again at points in the future. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Really, really enjoyed this. Thank you. But of course, as promised with the Euros, um, we'll probably be a day into Euros when this release when this releases but so that's not too far in so it's not like we'll get too many hints as to any big shocks or things that are happening but i i guess the the first question i'll ask is what do you think england's outlook at the euros is how, how do you think just what are your thoughts on gareth southgate and i guess taking 400 different defenders <laughs> um okay so england is a very funny subject for me because my relationship with England is I'm not probably as invested in England as maybe other fans are. I'm much more of a club man rather rather than a national team guy. Um, but for England, I actually think people are underestimating the strength of the group that, that we've been placed in. I think that, for sure. I think that Croatia, you know, could definitely beat us. I think the Czech Republic could definitely beat us. And I think Scotland could also beat us. Um, I don't think that will happen. I think that will probably draw with Croatia um, in that first group. And, and I, I would expect us to obviously beat Czech Republic and Scotland. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we finished second in that group. In terms of Gareth Southgate, I think that for me, um, you know, his, his experience prior to England probably wasn't what, I'd expect an England manager to have. Um, you know, I think his tactics are are too defensive with, with the quality of players we've got going forward. You know, Jack Jack Grealish is probably gonna have to sit on the bench. You know, I think that is that is quite frankly a, a ridiculous decision. But mm-hmm. it seems that at the moment Gareth Southgate doesn't doesn't trust him enough. He will go with maybe a Raheem Sterling, who really hasn't been in good form towards the end of the season. But uh, it's just they're just frustrating to watch England. I mean, I don't know what they're like compared to compared to the USA, Adam. I know, I know you're supporting England during the Euros as well because you, you've got family over here. Um, but I just think our football's so defensive. We have to play with two defensive midfielders all the time. Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips. And I just think that limits us a lot. I think that he always reverts to his back five system. Um, as he said, he takes 10 trillion right backs to all these tournaments. So, you know, for me... Um, we could definitely play more expansively. And actually, if he does play more expansively, I think we'll go further. I think that, you know, if he keeps limiting himself by playing these ridiculous tactics, these ridiculous formations with, with the attacking talent we've got, I think he's limiting how far England are going to go. So, as I said, I think we'll probably finish second in the group. I know I'm being a bit pessimistic there. 
And I actually think we might get knocked out, you know, in that quarterfinal. If we're lucky, um, you know, we might get to might get to the semi-final. But even the round of 16, we, we can be drawn with teams like Portugal mm-hmm. and France if, if, if we if we're unlucky. So, you know, you know, for me, I'm just I'm quite worried about how this is going to pan out. Adam. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm definitely like you with all, like in terms of international football, I'm definitely more of a club man. It's like if you ask me, would I rather see my team? win the league or my country win the World Cup. Obviously, it's, I'd say my team win the league. So I'm definitely a lot more invested into domestic football. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am half British. So when I'm rooting for England, there, there is a reason why. Um, obviously, I also root for the U.S., who recently had a fantastic, one of the best matches I've watched <laughs> in, a very, in a long time, uh, a, a thrilling 3-2 extra time, multiple pennies, penalties in the final 10 minutes uh, game victory over Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final. That was definitely one of the best international games I think I've ever seen. Um, just in terms of excitement, it really had it all. But in terms of England, like you, it's, I'm, I, I'm honestly worried. It's because Southgate, his brand of football, it's, um, it's alarming. He, he frequently reverts to that five at the back. Um, the squad selection is definitely iffy it's like you're looking at the likes of tyrone mings and how he's played in the first friendlies and it's like if he weren't left-footed i don't think he'd be in the squad i don't think he'd be anywhere near the squad oh that's that's such a good like for me adam i mean i know i've interrupted you there but it frustrates me so much the fact we've not taken fakayo tamori i think he had a fantastic season at ac milan you know why not put him in instead of tyrone mings as you said i know he's left-footed but for me, Tyrone Mings, from, from what I've seen, he, he looks so, so shaky. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so worried about our defence, especially with, with Maguire looking to, looking to miss the first couple of games. Yeah, and it's like, I, I'm going to go out a little time here and say that he, Mings wasn't even the best English centre-back at his club. So it's, um, it, it's just one of those things where, and when, when Trent Alexander-Arnold really unfortunately got injured because having him in the squad for his set pieces, his wing-back play would have been so useful. The fact that uh, Southgate saw that and replaced him with another centre-back, Ben White, who did perform well um, in the friendlies, to be fair to him, like that just tells you all you need to know. And just playing – we lined up – uh, yes, it was a friendly, but we lined up defensively against Romania and needed two penalties and Sam Johnstone wonder saves to beat them 1-0. Like, that's alarming. And as – as much as I want to support Southgate, because I'm pretty sure he's from Watford, um, I just think that there has to be a dose of reality. It's like, as amazing as the 2018 World Cup run was, we faced Colombia, which we had to beat in penalties, which, okay, that's a good victory. And then we were drawn Sweden in the quarterfinals. So it's not as if we had the hardest of uh, paths to the semifinals in the most recent World Cup either. So it's definitely alarming and if we had a different manager considering the players we have because we have like a golden age of players right now Kerry Kane definitely in the prime of his career you got Jude Bellingham coming in again he's only going to get better you got players like Jack Grealish who might not even be starting you got the Phil Foden's the Mason Mounts it's if they're not even going to be able to be utilized to their best of their abilities it's it's just so especially when you're a team like England that should be dominating matches just seeing the defensive type of football and that brand is just so boring and it's alarming. And 
Maybe you could argue, well, if we come up against a team like France, then maybe playing the defensive football because France player for player is better than us. Maybe that's worth it. But like, you're right. Like I would not be shocked to see us caught out even in the group stages, not because of individual quality, but just because of the very questionable, shaky tactics. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, Croatia have, have fantastic players. You've you got to think of Luka Modric. I know he's coming towards the end of his career, but there's no denying he's still a world-class talent. You know, Scotland, that's always a feisty game. You know, like, like Watford versus Bournemouth, you can't really predict how that's going to go, even though we've got the superior players. And, you know, Scotland can, can of course, still cause an upset. I think, Adam, the one thing that does go in our favour is the fact that you know, it's not classed as a home tournament, but apart from the quarterfinal, England play all of their matches at Wembley. So do you think, like, I, I believe that's that's huge for us. And, you know, if we can get full capacity fan uh, stadiums back, you know, I, I think that's going to, you know, that's almost like the 12th man, isn't it? We see, we see it with Watford, you know, when the rookery ends full and, and bouncing up and down, you know, that, that, that can help you score a goal. So, you know, I think that is probably... Um, a good thing that that we're playing a lot of our matches at Wembley. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to help. Um, maybe give that players that the the extra push to just go on and grab that something extra. Maybe make Southgate spin the dice with his substitution, roll the dice with his substitutions. But it definitely right now it's just very concerning. But who who knows? I mean, in the World Cup, even if it was an easy pa- easy path, they did surprise us. Um, and the the tactics as questionable as they were, I guess in the end they did work, but it's just considering what could be done with different tactics. And I I guess people don't want to go into international football, seeing tactics that are just branded as boring and not known to be exciting. It's just, so it's definitely alarming, but I'd say the, I'd say the reason to still have faith and the reason I still think England can make a run, even though I'm not going to go out and predict it. The reason I think there's still hope is just because of how good, Maybe not at the back if Maguire's injured, but just how good the rest of the personnel is. Our fullbacks are as sad as Trent Alexander-Arnold's injury is. Our other fullbacks are very, very solid. We have a fantastic midfield, fantastic attacking options if the right players are utilized correctly. So in terms of personnel, I think that can carry us a long way. And then uh, I guess in an international tournament, all that matters is one game. It's not like over a 38-match season. It's, it just takes seven games. It's just a little cup run, I guess. So you never know. No, you do never know. And, you know, I think I think we should probably predict our, our winner, Adam, of, of the whole tournament. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's not, not going to be England for me. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that we, we're going to make it all the way. Um, but... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of quality in this tournament. You know, um, France, you, you can't look past them. Portugal, we've got Bruno Fernandes, Cancelo, Bernardo mm-hmm. Silva, of course, Ronaldo as well. Um, you know, there's so much quality. Germany have fantastic players. Leroy Sane, Poland have Lewandowski. So look, there's there's a lot of quality. But for me, Adam, um, you know, I'm I'm going to be a little bit similar to kind of everyone else I've seen do prediction videos. I'm I'm going to say France. I really can't look past them. Um, Giroud, Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann—you know, there's so many more I, I could name off, but but for me, I can't I can't look past France really. Yeah, and as you said, there are—I mean, you also have a team like Italy who are have not been defeated in their last 27. You got the Netherlands, who okay, yes, they have De Boer as their manager, which is a, a big alarm for them. But in terms of players, they're still 
pretty talented. You, you have the Germanys um, coming back, and they're going to be hungry after how the World Cup went. So there definitely is a lot out there, and it, it's just it's very rare that a team wins um, two major trophies. Uh, but and, and Portugal again, like at the back, they're going to have Diaz, Cancelo. They have Bruno Fernandez, Ronaldo, Jota. Looking at that Portugal squad, it is really good. But it, as you said, it's just so hard considering the well-roundedness and like proven tactics and all that that, that France have. You got Conte now playing really well, and just that yeah. attack force where you have you have Benzema, you have Mbappe, you have Griezmann, you even have Giroud if you need. He seems to always score when he comes off the bench. Yeah, he scored two goals the other day, didn't he? Yeah, it's just. As much as I want to be unique and be exciting and say a Netherlands or say a Belgium, it's just so hard to write against France. And if I and I can't predict anything other than France. It's obviously I hope England win, but just France, just they really have it all and they have the full package. And I just don't see who could stop them. I feel sorry for Hungary. Actually, you know they're they're kind of in the group of death. Really, obviously they've got um they're in. I think it's Group E, isn't it? I think they've got Portugal, um, Germany, and France all in there. Yeah. So you know, if Hungary can nick that third place, that would be so so good for them. So if I was to have a second team, I'd probably say Hungary, just just because of the caliber of opposition they've got to play. Yeah, it would definitely be a great story, but it's just it's going to be even harder for them because they're not, they're without um, their star player Dominic Zoboslai. I've probably butchered that pronunciation, but. <laughs> He's injured as well. So if they make it out, I think everyone's going to absolutely love that story. Um, so I guess the one last question before we wrap up is, is there any team you're circling um, on Mike that you're willing to say are like dark horse contenders, not at all to win, but a team like not like, not like a Portugal and not like a France that you think has a chance to go surprisingly far? Um. Dark course. I mean, this is always a difficult one. I, I always do consider this before a tournament. Um, I'm probably going to say Turkey. I think mm-hmm. uh, Turkey. I'm, I'm going I'm to go with Turkey for me. Not North Macedonia. I think North Macedonia are probably going to be the worst team in the tournament. Um, but yeah, t- Turkey for me. Um, you know, they've got Ozan Kabak, who was recently on loan at Liverpool. They've got a number of other talented players as well. They've got quite a, a youthful squad, I would say, Turkey. So they're definitely um, one to watch. If they can nick that third place, um, you know, I think that that would be good for them. And, you know, it's not often really in tournaments that, that you can get through, you know, by finishing third place. Um, you know, it's, it's quite it's quite a rare thing. So it's definitely something different in, in this Euros and something I've not really seen before. So, so yeah, Turkey for me are, are my dark, dark horses, Adam. Um, that's a very, that's a name I've seen a bit for a dark horse. But yeah, I, I definitely see why you would say that they even got Barack Yilmaz off after his improbable season with Lille and the French first here. A, a team I'm, I'm watching closely is if I'm going like a safe dark horse option, I'd say Denmark, but I don't really think that's like dark horse enough. Cause they always like, they're known to be a good team. A team I want to really circle is a uh, one us Watford fans will definitely be keeping a close eye on is Austria Bachmann with their starting keeper. But I definitely think Austria, their their squad is well rounded. They have they have the Sabitzers, and I think the breakout player of the tournament, a player I've circled and highlighted. Maybe I'm just going to look really dumb for saying this in a few weeks' time, but 
their striker, Austria striker, Sasa Kalajic, um, he's been linked with moves to West Ham or even Dortmund as a potential Holland replacement, did really well with Stuttgart. And I, I think just their squad, all things considered, is a lot more rounded than people realize. And with the added firepower that Kalajic will give them, I just definitely think they're going to be a team that definitely should be kept a close eye on. So though Austria is my dark yeah. horses and I think that's a pretty far fetched one. Look, so. looking at their group as well. I mean they're they're in group C, they're alongside the Netherlands, but then their their other games are against North Macedonia and Ukraine. So, you know, apart from the Netherlands who you would probably expect to be Austria, um, you know, Austria can you know, that that, that they could pick up six points against North Macedonia and, and and Ukraine if if they can do that. So, you know, I definitely think they could finish second and, you know, maybe even potentially beat the Netherlands if, if they're if they're having a good good day so very very interesting and you know if you're playing fantasy um not fantasy Premier League mm-hmm. fantasy Euro 20 yeah yeah um yeah w- would you would you put a few Austrians in your team Adam um I'd say if you're looking to put one I- I'd put um uh, I-, I I'd put Kalajic in um I'm probably gonna make that transfer for my team soon I I don't think I actually have them in but I th- that's who I'd advise and um just it's just I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna go out right and say it. Netherlands they have a great team and obviously they have Steven Berghaus who I I put in my fantasy team actually maybe a bit nostalgic of me to do so. <laughs> um, but just Frank De Boer as manager, uh, it's he's definitely not proven himself at all. Um, in his recent jobs, uh, if I recall correctly, he was at Palace recently and he like was just awful. Um, if oh, I'm yeah. I mean, he got sacked after, what was it, five five or six games, if I remember that correctly. And I'm pretty sure they were winless, like literally pointless, I'm pretty sure. They, they didn't even draw any of Yeah, I think so, they were pointless and scored like, they must have only scored two or three goals, if that. I think it was, I mean, it's the worst football I've ever seen from Crystal Palace, put it that way. Yeah, so I'm, they, they have great players, but I definitely wouldn't be shocked for them to be the surprised early, surprise early exit. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I'm just really, really looking forward to the Euros. You know, when an international tournament, you know, comes around, it's it's so, so exciting. You know, you know, there's that, you know, you, you kind of sit it and, you know, it, me being me being a Watford fan, I don't really take any notice of, of international friendies. But, you know, looking at some of the fixtures that that, that are going to be here, you know, North Macedonia versus Ukraine, you know, who on earth is going to watch that? But I'm, I'm sure I probably will be. So, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, there's so many games. I think it's three or four games a day for, for at least two weeks. And then we go into the knockout stages. So really, really exciting. And hopefully um, I'll be getting down to Wembley for a couple of the games as well. So really, really looking forward to it. And come on, England. Come on. Yeah, that is definitely going to be exciting for you. Um, and, Hopefully, after the Euros that we got, we get to come back to the stadiums, and it's got. I it'll be it'll definitely be a fun summer, and we we have so much, so much, especially considering uh, how last season ended. So much to look forward to, and and I guess uh, even in the midst of Euros, we can't ignore the transfer window as well. So there's just so much going on, and once the Euros ends, there's a couple of weeks till our first friendly. So. Wow, it's crazy. It's going around so quickly, isn't it? Yeah, us, us football social media um, uh, talk heads, uh, we, we don't get much breaks, uh, but, <laughs> but I'm sure I, you agree with me that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't trade it in. We, we absolutely love it. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I enjoy doing it so much. I enjoy talking to people like you, Adam. Obviously, international fans is, is kind of you know who, who I focus on talking to. I think it's really, really important that 
that Watford, you know, continue to to attract and, you know, make sure international fans feel, feel included in the club. And hopefully um, me doing the Watford way, hopefully I can help a little bit with that and, you know, kind of connect um, fans from all around the world together and, you know, feel, feel like we are one family. So, yeah, really looking forward to, to all the football we've got coming up. And, and hopefully I'll be meeting um, a few international fans that I've kind of met over the past um, couple of years. Um, in the Premier League season. So hopefully I'll see you outside Vicarage Road very, very soon. Yeah, I hope to see you soon too. I mean, I'm hoping to get over. So that'll be something that's really fun. And and, and I love what, like, I, I love so much what you do with the Watford way. And it's like, you bring a lot of, obviously fans in England together, but you also bring a lot of international fans together. Like, uh, like I, I'm in a group chat with you and like a bunch of international fans, like that, something I like would, would never have thought of before. Um, I'd met you. So that's just like, so I, I guess I just have to say thank you for that. So no, yeah, no problem. And you know, there's so many, um, you know, there's so many fan pages out there now. You think of WD18, they, they do fantastic work with obviously all their um, player interviews. They've, they've just recently got Troy Deeney on, um, 1881 Club, obviously yourself, Adam. And on, on Instagram, there's loads and loads. There's probably hundreds of, of Watford FC fan accounts. So, you know, it's so good to see that a club of our size is so many. Um, different avenues for for people to to find content in so so it's absolutely fantastic and and yeah i'm just i'm just so looking forward to, to the new season and you know potentially even meeting more more fans obviously the premier league is such a huge league and, and it does attract um you know new new international fans to the club so i'm really looking forward to it yeah i'm looking forward to it too and that i think is a good way to wrap up this podcast Again, James, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. And make sure to follow um, The Watford Way on Twitter, on Instagram. Subscribe um, to the YouTube account as well. Also make sure that you're following Watford Opinions on Twitter, Instagram, and frequently visiting watfordopinions.com. It has been a pleasure. Thank you all for joining. And come on, you orns. <laughs>